People joining here, I've got, to, I've got to actually get the iPad working so I can see it, um, see the comments on there. So I'm going to make that work shortly. At least there's there's no wind this time, so hopefully the mic is okay, unlike last week. Mum and Dad said that was last week with Lars. Oh. Yeah, I have to apologise <laughs> to my parents for the wind noise. <laughs> uh, a quick one first, just in terms of sponsor, and then we're going to get into all sorts of things that are that are not the usual stuff at all. Uh, sponsor this week is DTAC. Uh, Many previous sponsorship detect and prevent weak leaked shared passwords, which are the worst ones. I had an argument with someone on Twitter this week. So. <laughs> when do you not have an argument? Uh, ah, that's reasonable. <laughs> shared passwords with ePass, a patented privacy compliance solution used in 40 countries. Try it for free. The argument was um, they were basically saying you can't blame people if they've been in a data breach with their password because that's the website's fault, because they didn't store it properly. And the website should have proper criteria to have strong passwords. And I sort of, well, it doesn't matter how good the password is if you use it other places. Anyway, you've heard all this before. Anyway, go and get Sounds detail. familiar. <laughs> big, uh, big thank you for them for sponsoring. Now, I, I started making notes because people ask... Hiding my notes I, I will not look. I, I, honestly, I have no idea what you're going to ask me about. I started making... Go notes because people had said they wanted me to do a culture thing with you mm. uh and and then i had to add something just before this because i heard something really alarming that made me question the entire marriage which was you asked what a rick roll is yeah all right so anyway it was good while it lasted what <laughs> the, the, engagement? the engagement <laughs> we're not married yet you can still call it off um maybe someone in the comments can explain what a, what a rick roll is and then uh, i will come back and read these comments in a little okay. bit yeah. uh, i thought we might start because the person who raised it originally, like doing this this joint thing, they said you've both lived in different parts of the world and mm. done different things and different views. Why don't you explain where you've lived and been for yeah. context and then I'll do that. And while you're doing that, I'll try and get the comments up here. Okay, right. So I've um, born and raised in Norway. Then I have uh, did my um, a one-year exchange in the U.S., and then I did my public relations degree in uh, Falmouth in Cornwall, England. And then I lived in San Francisco for four months and uh, been going backwards and forwards to Australia for years. So, yeah, I feel like I'm a good all-rounder. Plus, my parents used to work in the airline industry, so I traveled a lot as a child. And this is also why people are so confused about your accent. Yeah, it's, it's a street like, mix English. <laughs> <But> it, although, <laughs> funnily enough, and then maybe this is a, a fun culture thing too, but when we just went to NDC um, Melbourne yeah. and one of your ex-colleagues, uh, based in Oslo, she, does, Heather, she doesn't speak Norwegian, so she only ever speaks to you well, in English. She speaks Norwegian, but it's more does natural she? for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. She does. I've learned something. But she always speaks to you in English. Yeah. And she said your accent is different now to what it was. Yeah, she was a bit freaked out because all of a sudden I was Australian Charlotte. <laughs> oh. So, and it's the same thing like Jacob, uh, my other co-worker from NDC too, he's like, well, when Charlotte started working for NDC, it had a, a, a posh English accent and then it became uh, American and now it's uh, apparently Australian. I get South Africa, like, you know, at the end of the day, I've kind of just given up trying to have a, an accent that is you know, distinguishable from yeah. one place. It's just... It's becoming more Australian. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. But I'm saying some words that is, can be very American. Oh, or, we'll get to those, don't we? Um, <laughs> right. uh, 
Look at the comments here. Now that I can actually see everything here on the outfit properly. Michelangelo is in uh, in Belgium. Mm -hmm. It's very nice. Been a while since been. Belgium would be nice now. George is in Austria. Affliction of Amato is in Australia. It's uh, good here. <laughs> Neil's cold in Sydney. Andrew's in the UK. Well, I don't blame him being cold in Sydney. I've never been so cold as when I'm here in Australia. And this is one of the things we'll get to because it's 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 it is a kind of an odd thing. Now, Michael Andrew explained uh, a rickroll. Uh, I won't go into the detail there. Abe says a rickroll is when you borrow a mate's car and then before handing it back, cue Rick Astley never going to give you up on that as well. You know, never going to give yeah, you yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but did you know that's like a whole thing where you surprise someone with that song, in particular with Rick Astley dancing around? No. Uh, I'll get Ari to explain it. He loves these. Uh, okay, so, and then for me in terms of the travel stuff, so I went absolutely nowhere of interest at all until I was almost 14. And you, you saw on this trip, actually, where I lived, which which was more in the middle of nowhere, but nowhere has now encroached into where I used to live. Yeah. So I didn't go outside the country until I was nearly 14. And then I went to the Netherlands for two years, so I lived there when I was 14, 15. Uh, and travelled around Europe a lot because my father was a pilot and then went to Singapore for three years uh, and finished school there and then went to the Gold Coast, went to the UK for a year, Sydney for too long, 15 years, <laughs> now the Gold Coast. But um, yeah, with, with those those lives, with uh, when Dad was flying, we'd do a lot of travel, so a lot of, a lot of Europe, Africa, a lot of Asia when we were living in, in Singapore. And then, of course, with our lives, since since we've known each other, there's been a lot of um, a lot of events around the world. Oh yeah. And now, since we have a relationship, a lot of well, still a lot of events around the world, I guess, but a lot of fun things too. Yeah. Uh, my accent, I don't think, has changed at all, as far as I know. Maybe you're starting to get more of a Norwegian English accent. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd have to be, <laughs> have to spend more time in Norway for that. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Michelangelo says, puberty in the Netherlands must have been great times. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. It was. Okay. Let's park that one there. Move on. Um, what's, what are you finding weird about Australia? I know you have a long list. What, what can you think about off the top of your head? Um, I think it's, it's the latest discussion that we've had with a lot of people um, Especially now when it's winter in Australia. I've never seen what you guys call a door sausage <laughs> until I'm in Australia. Uh, Do you want to explain what a door sausage is? Well, apparently it's a draft stopper, isn't it? Mm. So you, in uh, Australia, they don't really have, um, they don't seal the gaps on the doors. So you have this draft of cold wind coming through. And the way you guys stop it is to put a door sausage on there instead of having it properly sealed door. I think the, the theme here is, and, and this goes the other way too, because I'll talk about Norway in a bit, yeah. but um, Australia is so used, particularly where we are on the Gold Coast, we're so used to trying to cool things down mm. that it's very unusual for us to heat things up. So we have... So you do have like three months where it's quite... It's yeah. not cold, but like it's... It's, yeah, it's like our neighbours, they said they hadn't put... The heating on because you don't really have a heating system here other than just using the mm. the air conditioning unit but for me it's like i almost feel like people are suffering more here in winter <laughs> winter because they complain about how cold it is but in norway like yeah i'm not saying that you um 
it's like ridiculous so warm in the house, but it has this warmth to it that you wouldn't have. And that this is this is your third winter in Australia now as well. So you've got, you know, multiple examples and of course travel as well and while we're traveling around the place now it but i think it's a theme isn't it it's not just the door sausage oh no it's like cold tiles no heated tiles in the bathroom Mm. Uh, but you you notice a lot and now i notice it too because you make me think about it but like we'll go into a cafe or something (laughs) and you're like why is it so cold in this cafe (laughs) it's so cold it is i hadn't really thought about that I just think it's like they don't have the double glazed windows and like the, yeah. the, 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 the you know, it's not so well, uh, I always mess up this word, insu- insulated, yeah. insulated. Yeah. Um, it, and every, like, yeah, and it's always like, I just feel so cold. It's not like normally if you know in this winter and you come into a cafe, it's like, oh, it's so warm. You just want to take off your jacket and... I think that's, that's very Scandinavian. It makes me think that that Danish term. What is it? Huggy? Huggy? Higge. Higge. Yeah. <laughs> There's this Danish term, uh, which is basically like just light lots of candles and shit, and have rugs and cozy. How stuff. much candles do we have at home now, though? Yeah, it is. <laughs> but that, that is what's really nice about home, and particularly um, you know when people come over, and, and mind you, that's not just a winter thing. We do that all year round. But there's so many you know candles, and and I think it's like soft lighting. Yeah, very it, soft lighting. So cozy seems to be your recurring theme. That, Which works really good. That is my middle name. <laughs> so George says uh, these door sausages exist in South Africa as well. All right. Uh, Stephen says shows dedication watching Troy live instead of watching Stranger Things. I have trouble watching Stranger Things as well, Stephen. We can't. I yeah, I am so confused by that series. We we keep if, giving it a go, but if anyone can explain that to Charlotte, <laughs> along with the Rick Roll, with <laughs> the Stranger Things, yeah. Um, it's not lost in translation. I know what they're talking about. It's just, it's an odd series. It's, it's just a strange series. I yeah. agree with you on that. Um, there, there are words that you're struggling with. English yeah. words. Yeah. What are they? Uh, <laughs> that's just mean. How can I, can you give me an example now? I, because uh, I was say this, th- and this is why my, like my English sometimes, um, the beauty of, if you've been to multiple countries, you learn another word for the same thing, so mm. you can avoid that word. And in your defence, before we, we name these words as well, um, you speak at least, what is it, um, Norwegian, <laughs> Norwegian and yeah. English, yeah. and seem to do pretty well at other Scandinavian languages. Uh, as you remind the kids and I on multiple occasions, we have one. <laughs> one language, so like you're doing much better than all of us. This. this is not a... Well, it's because when Elle is like, Charlotte... It's not scissor, it's scissors. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's exactly <laughs> what I had done here. So the, I think what's, I don't know if funny is maybe disingenuous, but the fact that it keeps coming up over and over and over again, where you're like, scissor, 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 scissor. And the whole time the kid's like, no, it's scissors. And then you're like, well, hang on a moment, but there's just one of them. And then we get into this weird debate. It's like, well, yes, but there's like two parts to the... It's just so many exceptions, I feel, in, in the English word. But I feel... Sometimes I just there's certain words I just struggle to um, to just even pronounce. But I think one thing from my perspective as well, mm. since we're both doing the cultural differences thing, but I think that amongst all my travels, where uh, English is not the primary language, Norway more so than anywhere else I can think of has extraordinary English literacy. Oh, yeah. Do you remember yeah. that boy? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to tell you, the, yeah. the, the kid at tennis. That's right? such a good story. So we're playing tennis one day near where Charlotte was living, and uh, and this 
this kid, I reckon well, he was like seven or eight years old, yeah, or yeah. hits his ball over uh, onto our court and he comes over and he, he says something to me which was unintelligible. And, and then I, I said, oh, you know, in English or something like that. And he just like, just bam, like yeah. straight thing. No, there's, there's no, there's no pausing, like, oh, no thinking. It's, it's just straight like that. And he was even polite. He was like, can I oh, have no, a ball, please? It was polite English. Sure. <laughs> she was probably more polite than my Australian English. Uh, and, and I find that every time we go into like a cafe or a restaurant or anything like that, I yeah. can go in and speak English immediately after being greeted in Norwegian. And there's just no batting of an eyelid. And... Yeah, I, I haven't found it to the same extent in somewhere like the Netherlands, which has amazingly good English literacy. Um, mm. I just think it's because we're so heavily influenced by um, uh, TV shows, music. So, like, it's probably the number one language we're being influenced by the most, sure. other than, yeah. you know, what we speak day to day. Even in the work, when I used to work for NDC, I'm sure... Other than like working with my Norwegian co-workers at the time, pretty much all the communication via email would be in English, right? Yep. So it's like all of a sudden you have 37-hour work week. It's basically you're just writing in English mm. and communicating in English. And then you go home and watch American TV shows. Oh, yeah. Or oh, British. British. Australian, home this and away. Oh, home and away is okay. like... The number one recruiter uh, to get Norwegians to come to Australia. Just saying. So Stratus says, uh, I think he's speaking English better than some people that have spoken it all their lives, like me. Not me, him. Um, Stratus, but probably better than me. No, uh, your, your, your English is so close to perfect that I think it surprises the kids and I when you say something that isn't perfect. Like scissor? Yeah, like scissor. Was that a nice <laughs> way to put it? Oh, I'll think of other things as oh, we go along. Oh, what did I say? Fishes one time? It was like multiple fish. Well, then we have this debate about oh, when we're in the car, because we did so much driving with the kids, but we're like, hey, there's sheep, and then there's lambs, and then Ari's like, it's not lambs, it's lamb. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, no, it's got to be lambs. It's like, well, it's not sheeps, is it? It's sheep. Did you hear this? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do, but it's just like there's so many exceptions in the uh, English language. And even the spelling thing is like I before E except after C. And then it's like there's just all of these weird exceptions to that. So. Yeah. So. so I'm doing good then. No, you're doing, yes. you're doing exceptional. exceptional. <laughs> Great. How do you find it um, food-wise in Australia? Oh. And, and to, to be clear as well, you have seen... Mm. I would say you have seen more of Australia now than what I had seen three years ago and what 90-something percent of Australians have seen mm. because we've been, you've been to almost every state and territory now. The only place you've been is Western Australia. Yeah. Not a lot there. <laughs> Sorry. Margaret River seems nice. And the Kimberleys. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Kimberleys. Yeah. But, I mean, we've driven all the way up to Port Douglas. We've driven out to Uluru. We've driven down to Cooper Pedy. That was fun, wasn't it? Staying in a cave. Um, <laughs> Will we say that was fun? It was an experience. Yeah, okay. Rosser Valley, and we've, of course we've driven to Sydney multiple times, we've driven to Melbourne multiple times, and now we're in Tasmania. We have spent a lot of time in the car together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like our friend Adam Kogan asked us, like, have you guys run out of things to talk about yet? <laughs> but we do tend to, like, we just sit there and talk, listen to podcasts. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy driving. So I guess the, the mm. point is, is that you have seen uh, a huge amount of this country. You've been to Canberra. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what, what was your impression of like, and, and I guess to be, to be clear as well, like you had spent time in Australia mm. many times 
before we had a relationship with NDC and then prior to that as well. So you'd been to Australia a lot. Yeah. I think um, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the food, but I do love the the coffee and going out for breakfast to get the culture here. I don't yeah. feel like you have that anywhere else in the world where you, like sometimes when we're up really early in the morning, it's like five o'clock in the morning, we can go down and the coffee shop is open and mm. there's people that sit there and they have breakfast together, like that people can actually feel like they can have a little bit of like a day together with their friends and family before going to work. Like how many times do we have breakfast with the kids mm. out before they go to school? Like it's such a, a nice start to the day. Uh, and the food and especially the coffee in Australia, I feel is exceptionally good. Except here. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not get into that but um I, when it comes to food though i do also find that you guys have like i don't understand the, the vegemite on toast sorry what don't you understand about it it's just like salty syrup on bread and <laughs> i just don't understand how that's such a, a massive thing here and every time you guys are having like a barbecue you love your barbecues mm. in norway we have a barbecue season mm. which is like summer season is like uh, eight weeks but you love sausage si- sausage <laughs> sizzle is that sizzle? sausage sizzle okay cool we found a new one <laughs> yeah but yeah the, I, don't, I don't know why it's a thing here in the um uh, who was it from south africa here was it uh one of the guys who said they're from South Africa and had the door sausage. I, I suspect that the barbecue thing is a big thing there because when we think about our South African friends, for example, mm-hmm. like the meat is a big, big part of their thing. So Stephen says, yay for the sausage sizzle. Thanks, Stephen. I know, but it's yeah. like when it's like every single week, it's like, hi, we're having a sausage sizzle for this fundraiser. Really? We have, I feel like every time if you're doing something social together, it's a sausage sizzle. I, I think what it is, is like every time we go to Bunnings or, you know, we went to that school thing at, at L school the other day, or it's like the Father's Day thing or whatever. That's a sausage sizzle. That was sausage sizzle. But it's like bread is cheap, sausages are cheap. It smells good. Like every time we go to Bunnings, it's <laughs> oh, a sausage yeah. sizzle. No, you that... smell it and you're like, I want a sausage now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, for, the, for the international people, um, Bunnings is, is like a big hardware chain here. And they are uh, extraordinarily well-renowned for uh, the sausage sizzle. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a big disaster when they couldn't do it for a while there due to COVID. Yeah. But now it's like all the sausages are back. And you're just walking through the car park and it's like $2 or something for sausage. And it goes to a good case. It's a charity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a charity as well. So, yeah. so you've got to get a sausage. I mean, we, I think the barbecuing thing is it's a bit of an outdoor thing. Uh, I mean, one of one of the things that, as you know, that I would really like to have is like a, a, a proper outdoor kitchen. Where it's yeah. like you can be outdoors, particularly in our climate. I don't know if you heard someone somewhere today, mm-hmm. and we, we should actually explain where we are shortly as well, was saying here in Tasmania, there's, there's only like 60 days of the year where it doesn't rain. In Tasmania? Yeah. That was on the bus. Was that, oh, was that it was the bus a bus driver? driver. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, we're on the Gold Coast, we have 300 days of sunshine a year, so we're like an inverted, but it's so constantly just warm and nice there, and, and even in the middle of winter, as, mm. as you know, it's like we're out in, you know, T-shirts and things, and and then in summer, it's not it's not stupid hot like Melbourne and Sydney and Perth get as well. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time outdoors, uh, and I think that the barbecue is just like a way of being And you outdoors. guys love lamb here. Yeah, you're, you're getting sick of lamb. With lamb. 
<laughs> Lambs? <laughs> Lambs. Um, it's just, I, I think it's like in Norway, it's like that's such a, like in Norway, we kind of follow the seasons based on what we have. Not necessarily, but it's more of a tradition, I think. Because mm. we used to be farmers back in the day. So like all the kind of things that you eat is based on what the farmers um, had at the time. I feel so, you're almost getting uppity about lamb though. Like you're anti No, I'm not anti-lamb. <laughs> it's just... It's like an autumn thing that we eat in Norway, and uh, I just feel like when it's accessible all year round, it just doesn't make sense. But is that the problem? Like you associate to a season? Yeah, uh, it's like an autumn thing. Would you have beef all year round? Yeah. And fish? Yeah. And chicken? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Sometimes I just feel lamb can taste the same. But then, like, think about that one we had at um, uh, Dalesford the other day. That, really that was amazing. Me. That was exceptional. Yeah, that, that was, really was amazing. Nice. I agree. I, th- I think any meat can get repetitive if you're having it in the same style. Mm. Like the steaks here. That's oh, great. That's great. <laughs> I feel like we're being really derogatory about this place, but we will make up for this <laughs> next week. So let's let's touch on that. In, incidentally, if anyone's got any questions, drop them into the chat uh, about culture or things or any of that kind of stuff. But for context. Um, just so scroll back a week ago, we were at Lars's farm in country Victoria. Mm-hmm. We went and did a bunch of driving around the rest of country Victoria. Went to Sovereign Hill. You like Sovereign Hill? <laughs> yes, yeah, it was nice. Uh, for the for the non-Aussies, Sovereign Hill is it's like it's like an oldie worldie recreation of what it was like in the eighteen fifties and sixties. Uh, there was a, a big gold rush in Australia. Australia was the largest producer of gold, wasn't it? At that time, one of the things we learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, and uh, it's I had memories of going there as a kid with school, and I think a lot of certainly a lot of Victorians, so those from that state in Australia, would have a memory of going there as a kid and going there for a school thing. Mm-hmm. I've got a photo of me somewhere dressed up as an oldie worldie eighteen fifties Troy. Do you? Yeah. I'm oh, we have to find that. Yeah, you find it. <laughs> Put in the book. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's a recreation of that, but it was it was pretty cool, wasn't it? Like it was. It was, was really lots well of cool done. Stuff to look at. It was really well done. I did, did felt slightly claustrophobic down in the mining. Ah, uh, because this is, they didn't have this when I was a kid, but they've got these mine tours where they will take you down a mine, and there's ones like you know the the Chinese mine because there was a lot of Chinese migration and a lot of cultural influence there, and then there was another one I can't remember, and then the one that Ari wanted to do was the trapped one. He's like, I want to do the one where they get trapped. Yeah, in the mine. but I think like the poster looked quite like dramatic. Yeah, and uh, I think Ari just picked the tour based on who had the coolest poster. Ah. And then yeah. it was like, it was a really, you know, moving story, but it was actually really sad, you know? So, yeah. but I, I think the most entertainment, entertaining um, part of that trip was how I was freaking out on that little, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> what that, do you call it? I was entertained uh, on, on the little carriage that goes down the mine. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that, that was a good spot. I think the kids enjoyed that as well. Oh, they loved it. Um, so we were around Dalesford and Hepburn, Hepburn Springs and then uh, drove into Melbourne, had a night there and then just you and I got on the on the um, Spirit of Tasmania, the ferry with mm. the car, which here's another cultural thing, like getting on a ferry with a car in Norway is really normal, isn't it? Oh, like yeah. You can just do that all the time. Absolutely. Here is extraordinary. And mind you, we've done that twice on this holiday because we did it once across Port Phillip Bay down in Victoria. Well, up yeah, in Victoria, Ari said it was trippy. 
to have the car on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the experience was made was actually good. Like we had a, a room there that was like it was a good size room, and it was like at the front of the boat, and you put the blinds up, and you could see all the markers and things coming up, mm. and it had it had not the worst shower that I've used on this trip um, in our in a little bathroom. So we just sat there. Uh, drinking some wine and watch, watching some Stranger Things, trying to figure out what the hell that's about. As we've established, we still can't yet figure out. Uh, so we did that, and where we are now is in uh, Cradle Mountain in Tasmania. Mm. And if you haven't seen the, the tweet thread I've got going, I just keep dropping stuff in there. It's uh, How would you describe it? Tasmania? Cradle Mountain. Oh. Or Tasmania. Oh, no, it, Cradle Mountain is beautiful. Yeah, is like it, exceptionally, exceptionally. I feel like it's like almost like a mix of, um, like the landscape of like Iceland, and then like a little bit of like northern Norway, and um, like it's it's a side of Australia you haven't really mm. seen because it has like, yeah, it's like a different vegetation. <laughs> it's um, it does feel really different because, and look at. Australia is basically the same size as, as continental USA. Um, it's, it's massive. It's basically the same size as, as Europe. Uh, it's Isn't it like all of USA and then half of Canada? No, no, no. It's, it's actually slightly smaller. I, th- I think like a single digit percentage smaller than continental USA. Oh, and no. it's definitely smaller than Canada. Um, so it's... But it's still massive. And we've got all these really diverse landscapes. I mean, the last holiday we had was, was out in the Great Barrier Reef where it was... It was, you know, warm and you know, turtles and yeah. sharks and <laughs> yeah, you do that. Like you actually get really surprised how varied Australia is. That's everything from crocodiles up in Darwin to minus mm. degrees here and this very um, Nordic kind of environment. I think that's that's sort of the diversity we're seeing where, uh, you know, this morning it was minus two Celsius, which is the, I figured out this morning, it's the coldest I've been since February 2020 when we were in, I don't know, I forgot that cold in London when we were there. It would have been that cold in Norway when we were there. Oh yeah, we had minus 20 in Norway. I don't know if we did on that trip though, that felt unseasonally warm because remember we couldn't do the sledges in Oslo because it wasn't ice and snow. Oh no, I wasn't in Oslo, it was in Halfjell. You'd struggling to pronounce Norwegian words. Half-yen. No, I just. <laughs> All right, no, actually, you're right because we were up the snow there. Anyway, so it's been a long time, but the point is, is that we get these crazy cold conditions here, mm-hmm. and then you know we've come from Darwin and other places where we've seen you know 40 plus. Or when we were at, at Uluru, uh, that was same temperature. It was. What was different about Uluru though was that you would literally jump in the pool, and it would be like what 43 degrees or something. Yep. But you'll still be freezing because well, the air is so dry. Outside it was 43. Yeah. yeah. But you jumped in the pool and then you come out and the wind is so dry that you just feel like that the pool temperature just goes straight on your skin and you just let's just sit there in the desert shivering. Because you basically just, everything evaporates immediately and yeah. you cool down. But I think this is sort of part of the point with the difference in, in climate as well. Like it's not just temperature, the humidity is really different. Mm. Um, it's... I hear a lot of people from the southern part of Australia say the Gold Coast is really humid. So we don't... I mean, I don't think you've seen a 40-degree day on the Gold Coast yet, have you? No. It's really rare, even in the middle of summer, to get over low 30s, but you get multiple 40-plus degree days in a row, somewhere like Melbourne or Sydney. Yeah. Uh, But we don't get get that. 
but we get more humidity, so people get up there and the air feels stickier. And let me have a look at some of these comments. Um, Stratus says he's Aussie, he doesn't like Vegemite. You're not Aussie. Uh, <laughs> what else is there? Lots of people loving the sausage sizzle. <laughs> Josh says, how is Charlotte with her ocker words? Ocker okay, words? Yeah. What, it, what do you mean by that? All right, Josh, <laughs> fill in the blanks, mate, and then I'll come back to you. I'm, what I think is fascinating, though, about here in Australia, compared to Norway, is like you shorten your words for everything. Mm. Is it take a U-E if yeah. you're going to do a U-turn? Yeah. And roo instead of kangaroo. Yeah. And, uh, and also, guys, you say mate, even like you're really annoyed with somebody, it's still a mate. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like, mate, I'd like to have a beer with you. Mate, I want to punch your lights out. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so, so bizarre. But the tone matters. The tone matters. Yeah. But that's the difference, though, like in Norwegian, like even if you, <clears throat> I were to ask for something, mm. even like Els reprimanded me on this. She'd be like, if I said, oh, El, can you pass me the scissors? Oh, I said it right this time. But she would be, <laughs> she'd be saying, Charlotte, it's, can you please pass me the scissors? Like, and I was like, but I asked nicely. Like I asked okay. in a high, like upbeat tone. Like it was not like a, like here it's very much, you have to say the please and the thank you in order to be polite. Well, in Norwegian, we would be more, um, it will be in the tone of voice. I'll get in trouble. Uh... <laughs> If I had to guess, I would say that she had been told that there are things that you should say because they're the words that you should say, but often the sentiment and the tone is not present. Yeah, but I, I just find it in general in, in Australians is very much like... Yeah, but I, 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 don't, I don't agree with her. Um, well... With Elle in her parenting to, no, towards me? No, <laughs> uh, I, I don't in so far as I, I think that there are lots of different ways of conveying sentiment yeah. and, and often that is done through much more than just words. I agree. Now, on shortening things, you can't understand why people shorten people's names either. Oh, no. Because like, <laughs> we had, uh, like, if somebody comes and introduce them and say, uh, like, they're Ben, and all of a sudden they add you on Facebook and then they're Benjamin, and next time I meet the same person, I'm like, oh, hi, Benjamin. And Troy's like, you can't say that. that. That means he's in trouble. Because no, that's what that's what that's what uh, Benjamin's parents would say to him when he was in trouble. So why don't you call your son Ben? Well, you'd have to ask them. I was very specific about choosing names for the kids, which could not be shortened. It's like Ari and L. Good luck with that. <laughs> because I had so many times where people was like, "Oh, so Charlotte." So is that short for? Are you going to do? Do you go by the name Lottie, uh, or Char, or Char? And it's like, no, I'm Charlotte. Like. But then the kids change your name anyway because they. That's that's, yeah. that's endearing. That's that, endearing. Yeah, it's a it's a daring and daring, but yeah. it's more like. Yeah, I everybody's like even Dan is short for Daniel. I, I just I just don't get it. It's like just. Part of the problem is is that you don't know, whether he is Dan or Daniel. Exactly. Um. Hank says, uh, Vegemite, Bovril and Marmite on toast. He's with you on that one. Have you ever had Marmite? It's not the same, pretty much, yeah, but it's like a British much. version. It's very British, as is Bovril. It's very British. 
Charles says, apparently here around Sydney, we are about to get a month worth of rain over the weekend. You just checked I the radar. That. And at home, on the Gold Coast, there was a lot of rain, wasn't there? Mm. They cancel all the tennis tonight. Oh, at, uh, at our tennis club. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very clear here today. No problems at all. A um, little bit of snow. This is the first time you've seen snow in Australia. Yeah. Is it different? Uh, not so exciting. It's <laughs> <laughs> just is, like this hard crust of snow. And you're like, ooh, snow. And you're like running to try and take a picture of it. In fairness, I've seen a lot of snow too. Like yeah, I've, you do. So I've seen a lot of snow in a lot of places. But I think there's just something ingrained in us in Australia where uh, snow is, for most of the country, is so exceptional. Yeah. That when you see it, it's like, oh, it's amazing, you know. Yeah, no, no, it's it's it is fascinating for me. It just feels like walking in the mountains in Norway, in like April, May, when it's mm. starting to. So we, yeah. we did this. Um, uh, is mega hike the right term for today? Yeah, it's just going on a hike with Troy. It's like, oh, let's go for the for the advanced. Let's just pick the hardest one. <laughs> yeah, it did feel like because it. it'll be the most interesting. Uh, it, it it looked easier on paper. <laughs> it looked a lot easier on paper because we did. Uh, was it just under eight k, seven point nine k? Yeah, seven point. I think it was seven point four. Now we would do that without breaking a sweat any other day of the week, at, like mm. at home when you're just walking on the road. But uh, this was was up a peak, and we we knew in advance that there's that all the courses and things are all the hikes are graded. And we, we knew in advance that this one would be harder because we were at that office yesterday and they're like, okay, so you know, there's the intermediate ones. You can walk around the lake. Uh, and if you walk around the lake, you know, that's like intermediate and it will take you, I don't know, two and a half, three hours, something like that. Walking around the lake is yeah. intermediate? Yeah, that's intermediate. Wow, okay. But this is the thing because like we saw what that's like and it's like an intermediate hike. It's just there's steps everywhere. Yeah, but that's like what I found also a bit different. Remember we were struggling to find the right like hiking shoes mm. for me to go here? And because um, I kind of thought like, oh, I need to have like hiking shoes that's like properly like for cold weather. And you're like, oh, it never gets this cold in Australia. Like, why? Why did you like think that you had to get this, this, you know, robust shoes? And then obviously I understood based on where we are that you don't need that. And then when she told us that the thing was advanced, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm used to like hiking in Norway. This is probably not so advanced. And she says it's advanced. And he was like, I think I almost had a little cry at one point there, like a breakdown when it was like chains and you I have gonna, to like... I was going to be the chains. Uh, now, I have posted some photos on Twitter a few hours ago and a relive video, but I think that was your breaking point where you got to the, the near sheer rock face that had a chain going up that, that you had to hold on to to get up. No, no, I think the one going down was worse. Oh, actually, I think what was worse about that was we'd already been to the peak and uh, most of the photos I post actually were from the peak and it was amazing. And I think what we did well today is we got out really early. We got one of the first shuttle buses to the National Park in the morning and there, were, there, there was basically no one in front of us by the time we started doing the trial. Mm. So we got all of these beautiful shots and because it was so early there was no wind so there's these shots of the lake and it, it looks like a mirror image. Like, look at it carefully because it... It, it's hard to actually tell. In fact, we're looking at one on the wall here yeah. that's a little bit similar where the water is so glassy that the mountains are there and then they're upside down. Yeah, it looks um, like a mirror, basically. looks like a mirror. Yeah. But when we got right to the top, it was there's a lot of really craggy rocks. Um, and a lot of, like, shaded parts where, like, not, like where it was yeah. ice. Yeah. 
And every time I was slipping, I was like, no, that's why I moved from Norway. <laughs> but then, uh, then we sort of went down and we're like, oh, glad that's done. But then we went back up the other side. And I don't know if you saw it because we had the Apple Watch. Yeah, we ended up walks. hiking We ended up higher. higher. And then you come down another one. And it's a little bit like this anywhere where it's, it's cold and you're used to this. But when you have um, just that very kind of intermediate temperature where some stuff's wet, but some stuff's frozen. It's yeah. not clear what's what. And the number of times, me in particular for some reason, like stepped on a rock and it's just ice on the top of it. And yeah. So, with yeah. My, with my background, 30 years on the snow, I was like scanning the, scanning the ground, knowing exactly. And if, if it had been snow everywhere, it's like you get a bit of grip from that. Yes, yeah, snow is good. It's, the, it's like the, it's ice, the ice, and ice and the rocks that's uh, difficult. So we got other comments here. Um, Christopher says, one of the biggest things I always bring up is drinking cultures between Australia and most European countries. Did Charlotte notice that too? That's a good question. Have you noticed a difference in the drinking culture? Uh, yes, I have. What? In terms of... Um, obviously, like, it's very easy like, for people to just want to have a, a, like a, a beer at the pub. But mm. I do find that there's a... There's a especially like a, a group of people, uh, maybe like tra- tradies... <laughs> Oh, geez, you're going to get hate mail now. <laughs> no. no, I'm going to get hate mail about you having to go at tradies. No, I have, I'm not having to go at tradies, but I can, that's often there. Like you can see people getting there after work and they drink and they seem to drink quite excessively. It just seems like, and for me, it, it is odd with the drinking and also then driving a car yeah. afterwards. Well, that, that's what I just thought because that's mm. one of the things that you find most different where in Australia you can have... Uh, 0.05 alcohol limit, which they, they've always said, like as a before driving, as a rule of thumb, you can have two standard drinks in the first hour for a, a man of, I guess, average weight, and then one standard drink per hour afterwards. But I mean, how does it work in Norway? What's the attitude there? I think it's 0.2. So right. it's like basically like a half a beer, and that's it. So for us, it's like if, if you are to attend a party you, you and driving, you literally just, there's not point. Drinking, mm. so that's why alcohol-free beer is a thing with us. And I know that's that wasn't really a thing for you either, but you've started to enjoy it a bit more as well in terms of. Yeah, um, I, I think that, and I suspect, and, and maybe you haven't picked up on this, and, and maybe the reason you haven't picked up on it is because you've come to Australia well and truly past your teenage and twenty years, where people are a little bit. Mm-hmm. bit wilder but th- there's often uh, I guess a negative connotation of the drinking drinking culture it is like I remember the, there was like huge like lockout laws that they need to implement yeah, in yeah. Sydney because it was just so much um, there's, a, there's a lot of just drinking large volumes of of anything yeah. just to get smashed yeah um, I, I suspect it's like I, I I, I guess, like, yeah, we we don't. We don't really, normally see that with our circles, though, do we? No, no, not at all. And and this is what I mean. Like, it's it's not like a. <clears throat> it probably would have been different if I moved here in my twenties and I was yeah. going out. Yeah. But my my observation is like, you know, what we're doing, we we can go out to the pub and have like a drink and mm. stuff like. But there is certain people that you can see is like just going hard yeah. at the pub. Uh, and I can also see it being very easy for people that's gone up for surf and go up to the pub and one beer turns into ten. 
the the driving thing I, I think is the thing that um, mm. that needs the most work here I, I've never really liked the idea of, of what I just mentioned you know, it's like two standard drinks in the first hour and then one because I can just imagine someone sitting there going you know how can I get up to that limit that all limit? the time but it's also I think it's reflected by the fact that it's yeah point point zero two is is pretty much nothing because maybe you've had some cough syrup or a mm. Christmas cake with you know ramen or whatever yeah um, so people just don't drink at all before they drive is it fair to say in the way um, but but here it's like, where's my limit? And I, the, the reality of it, it's not like you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Point oh five, oh no, like it's it's a continuum. Yeah. And surely at point oh two or point oh three or point oh four, it has to impair your judgment to to, to some extent. So I, I and just, you're making worse decision the more drinks you've had too. Yeah. So I feel like you're always ready to push it. I just really it. dislike that idea, and and as you know, it's like. A, uh, have we ever gone anywhere and I've had even one drink before driving? No. Like one, and the, here's the other thing. It's like one drink. Is that like one glass of wine? Is it a mega pint or is it like, you know, is it like <laughs> a standard, a standard measure? Yeah. Because even the, like the beer I, we're drinking now is like, if, if you drink one of those, that's, that's more than two standard drinks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I don't know. I just, for me, the way I've, um, how I'm like based on where I grew up like and and then an influence is like it's just like if I've had something to drink I do not drive and I think yeah. I will never ever change that I will never get comfortable with having one drink and then getting in the car yeah. we're also in a, in a place at least on the Gold Coast where it's like oh we'll just get an Uber yeah. you know, and Ubers are cheap but even when we're we're traveling now with the car in the place we've been staying it's like if we want to have wine with dinner it's like we'll walk so when we're mm. in Dales for the other day. It was like that was a twenty-minute walk. Second, second place was a twenty-minute walk, um, but that's not bad. Walking's good for you. Yeah, it's but nice. Fun walking today. <laughs> I feel like everybody's like, "Oh, you should do the Dove Lake Circuit walk," and then it's like, "Yeah," but then you go with Troy and this extreme version and be like, "Let's just do all the summit and <laughs> peaks there is on the way." We'll have photos, <laughs> photos forever, long after yeah. the memory of the the chain up the rock face fades. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Strata says, does Charlotte need a doctor GP that speaks in her mother tongue to talk about health issues? No, I do not. But I'll <laughs> tell you a funny story. So I had to uh, do a general anesthetics when I had my wisdom tooth pulled out. And um, I've never had that before. And I was wondering when I would wake up from the general, general anesthetics, whether I would be able to communicate in English. I was so worried about that. Remember that? Because I was like, what if I'm like so disoriented and like yeah. I can't like express myself uh, in English? But it was fine. I, like it wasn't a problem. But uh, I just remembered like going in, I'd be like, what if I just mumble Norwegian and, and nobody understands me and I'm unable to find the words? <laughs> we need a nurse and an interpreter. Uh, okay. Well, that, well that's, that's an interesting question. But no, that's that's never been an issue. Um, so Stephen's saying his abbreviations Arvo. You know what Arvo is. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Arvo afternoon. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Chris just says Bodlo. What's Bodlo? Bodlo. Yeah. Bottle shop. Oh. And a bottle shop. Even but, a bottle okay, shop. Just so saying it sounds weird. Even thank you, you guys shortened down tar. Yeah. What's tar for? We're not T-A. wasting time with unnecessary syllables. <laughs> 
Ha. Uh, so Bodlow's a bottle shop. Uh, Macca's? McDonald's? Yeah, okay. we, we avoid that. Oh. Servo? Service station. Oh, wow. <laughs> Keep these coming. These are really good fun. Make, make, make them weird and interesting. The more beer we drink, the better they'll get. Stratus says, I have that. My name is Salvador. So, Stratus... Will he be like Sal? Is actually Salvador. But people call me Sel or Selvi. Yeah. Mostly only Salvador when serious trouble. <laughs> it's the same sort of thing. Okay. Josh has got a shell here. What's a dunny? Oh, uh, that's a... A toilet, but like a, by the the road, like a public ah, it's toilet. Just, it's just a toilet. Ah, yeah. Dunny. Double plugger. What's a double plugger? <laughs> I don't want to Google that here. <laughs> I could. <laughs> no. We'll turn on incognito afterwards and we'll Google it. <laughs> Jeez, I went downhill quickly. Struth. Huh? Struth. Struth? Yeah. You've watched Home and Away. This is truth. Remember the old, was it L in Home and Away, the old guy? And he called everyone Flame and Drongos and he was very, very Aussie. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that character, but I yeah. never noticed that. No, that, was he, prob- that was probably just translated, like with Norwegian subtitles. He'd be like our next door neighbor in very, very, very Aussie. Like Struth would be like, oh, Struth, look at the size of that shark, <laughs> you know, or something like it's just, It just amplifies the, the message. Right, okay. Let's see here. Smoke. I think we know what smoke is. Don't Isn't that the city? Oh, okay. I just read to the bottom. Josh has explained double plugger. See, I had not heard of a double plugger before. I'd heard of a plugger. <laughs> Plugger's a thong. Ah. And, and you know what a thong... Well, like, gee, now i got to explain that too. Jeez. What's a yeah, thong? That's a... Uh, uh, um, <laughs> flip-flops. <laughs> I was just thinking that about that. That you put pop- on your feet. Yeah. So that, that's sometimes called a plugger. I mm-hmm. think because of the way the thing oh, yeah. sort of plugs in. So a double plugger, oh, a so. double plugger, I assume is two thongs. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Drongo. 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 D R O N G O. No. A Drongo is like an idiot. Um, I think a Drongo is I actually a bird. I thought that was a mate, but you just say it a bit aggressively. No, that's mate. That's an idiot. <laughs> Okay. Drongo is sometimes a bit of a idiot. Um, usually, yeah, sometimes a bit, bit stupid. Like Lanzo said, we used to have snow here, but in recent years, only a thin layer of white is the best we can get during winter. And where is this? I think he, he was in Belgium, wasn't he, Mike Lanzo? Um, but it's, I, I think that's probably a little bit like the Netherlands, where even or in the early 90s, it was very rare for us to see snow. Mind you, everything's flat there, so you don't have much elevation. Christopher says, uh, drinking when I was 18 to 20 in both Australia and Germany, it was day and night. In Germany, it would generally be in relaxed settings. Here in Oz, it would usually end up with someone punching on. You know what punching on is? Punching on. Having a fight. Oh. Uh, and, and that's, the, well, mind you, what did we see at Oktoberfest? Was that, that was a bit. That was trashy. That, that well, okay, that was. That was, a, yeah. that, like, it was, it was, I thought, like, Oktoberfest was like tents all over the city, but then it's like this one amusement park, and these big buildings are one building represents yeah. one brewery, yeah. and it, like it looks amazing inside. That, but that, it, it was so difficult to even get a table, and <laughs> it was so difficult getting back into Munich from there. Oh Remember, no, like, lost my shit over <laughs> we couldn't get a taxi, we had to get a, uh, we couldn't get a, um, 
like this bike taxi and then we had to get two electronics like uh, electric mm, scooters mm. yours weren't working because <laughs> it was like dead <laughs> and then we got two mega pints of beers in the city and everything was okay <laughs> but i think the the point that chris was making here is is that, like, it feels like the settings part of it so i would imagine when our kids are of an age where they can drink it would be nice to you know like i've often said um you know the first bar I'd like Ari to go to is like Baxter Inn in Sydney. You yeah. know, which is just like an epic kind of speakeasy down a dingy alleyway. You go in there and it's like this amazing 1930s prohibition style bar with just a great atmosphere, an amazing array of whiskies and things like that. Uh, and I, I don't think we've ever, we've been there many, many times now, I don't think we've ever once seen anyone, you know, getting stupid or anything like that. No. But it's, it's somewhere where you would go to, to have a drink and enjoy the conversation. And I, I think Christopher's point here is, very true which is that maybe that drinking culture here is like no you're going to a local pub where it's cheap to drink exactly yeah mind you i think that's a really big issue in the uk as well oh yeah i remember uh, one time i went to sunderland with um uh, with one of my colleagues from ndc jacob and you would walk down the the street which would be like the main street but they will advertise like you know Two car bombs for ten dollars. What's know? a car bomb? <laughs> That's like. Oh, sure, else that will. When you do like a, a it's like a, a Guinness, and then you you drop like a a shot of something in the Guinness, so it's like, it's just like really. Guinness is bad enough already. Well, who who, who would well, put like, it's like, who it's would put a shot in a beer? I did. <laughs> Not a car bomb. It's um, a different thing. But yeah, like they will, they will advertise about like how much like alcohol you can get, mm. like within a short period of time, like a happy hour between like this and this time yeah. you will get, you can drink so and so much. Like I think, yeah, like you're saying with Baxter in, and even for you when you said where you were in Netherlands, mm. you can literally go to a bar, have one beer and you were happy with that. And, and this is the thing. So when I was, um, of course, we didn't have camera phones and things there, so memory's a bit hazy. But when I was 15, um, enjoying my puberty years, <laughs> the little ones, but I remember I could go to a bar with my girlfriend at the time, and we, you know, you'd ride your bike because everything's bikes in Holland, uh, and we'd go there, and I would have one drink. I didn't like beer. I don't think a lot of 15-year-olds like beer, but it might have been like a pina colada or some, you know, something. Is that bad? I just you just not strike me as the pina colada type. Fifteen year old me <laughs> yeah. on my bike. That's true. Uh, no, actually, I, I do remember because I, I I did have beer sometimes. I had mm-hmm. uh, I'd have a, a Ronya bomb, which is which is a pretty mass market terrible beer <laughs> by any reasonable measure. Mm. This is the thing. Like you look at Ari, he's, he's going to be thirteen soon. So he's, I mean, let, let's be realistic. A few years from now, he's going to be trying alcohol whether it's with us or someone else and it'd kind of be nice there's so many nice well we've had so many nice beers of we've had amazing beers that might be like two percent or something like that like mm-hmm. i'd much rather him just sit there and have a really nice thing that he can enjoy um but i i just never had that culture interestingly enough it wasn't until i got to singapore and maybe because i was a bit older as well but i, th- I think the first time i like properly had too much i would have been 17 in singapore and then it's yeah, you know, expat lifestyle things getting a bit unruly. Mm. Now we've got to clarify one thing because you just said that you dropped 
spirit into beer and it sounded like a car bomb. Do you want to clarify well, I think it's because the circumstances since I, since that I've, led up to that? Since I've studied in England, like, you know, I've, I've done like a car bomb before. Uh, and I thought when you said we're going to go to a Boilermaker, and we, that's a place in Melbourne, mm. and we're going to have a Boilermaker where you have a beer and a whiskey. As naive as I was at the time, I thought that was a car bump. <laughs> but she put the whiskey in the bed. So, so we were there just the other day before... Um, oh, that didn't happen the other day, in fairness. It didn't happen the other no. day, no, but it, uh, I guess it would have been like two and a half years ago it happened. But um, uh, at Boilermaker in Melbourne, which I think is probably the, one of my favourite places in Melbourne to go for a drink, because they've got a lot, a lot of nice beers on tap. And they do a Boilermaker where they mix a beer and a whiskey, uh, or pair a beer and a whiskey. They don't... They don't mix them, and they put them both on the on the little platter together. And the theory is that you have have a whiskey. Often the whiskey has a you know, quite a quite a hit, and then you have the beer, and the beer kind of soothes it. And they pick two things that pair together nicely, and they'd have all these different pairs. Yeah. And without realising it, the first time in there, Charlotte just picked up the whiskey and dropped it straight into the beer. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you've destroyed it. <laughs> so that was it. Yep. That was it. We still got engaged, though. Still <laughs> Now, Josh says, uh, I believe truck drivers in Australia are 0.02 as well, <clears throat> which is which is good. I think also when you're um, when you're on your P's, which is when you're learning to drive, I'm pretty sure they have some pretty severe restrictions in the same way. Um, but we also like another cultural difference, and this is moving away from from the the, the drinking part. And what we discussed a lot is the the maternity leave. Oh, that's a really Norway. good one. Yeah. So, yeah. well, explain what it's like in Norway, and then I'll, at least I can explain my personal experience yeah. here. Well, I know that it used to be in Norway that um, you would get up to a hundred percent of your salary uh, um, as a woman, or, or like both parties would get a hundred percent of the salary, but the the dad would get two weeks off when the baby was born. Then the mother would have. 10 months you would get full salary uh, or if you do 12 months you get 80% of your salary and then like the dad would have two months but he could either do two months straight or he could do it the first two or three years of when the baby like mm. so you can have like every Friday off for instance the next year or so but I know it's changed now because they, they see that women are falling behind in, in, in the workforce uh, so um I think in order to get the full support from the government, the mom has seven months off, and then the dad has five, uh, and then but then the mom can have like breastfeed leave or something like it's just like mm. to try and not have women out too long from the workforce. But it's very different compared to here. So so tell that story that you've told many times when I've been around about you were. Uh at one time in your life having interviews and mm. those interviewing you were asking leading questions? Yeah, like they would be like, you, you try to avoid the question and then they're like, well, you know, so who's Charlotte? You know, like, the, on, I was like, what do you mean? It's like, on, on a private basis, like, are you in a relationship? Like, and be like, yeah, um, at the time I was in a relationship and they're like, oh, okay, so how long have you been together with that person? Ah, oh, three years. All right, um... Uh, like they just try to join the dots they're thinking like okay yeah. uh, give her two more maybe one year two years she's going to be 
like pregnant and she's going to be out and we need to find a substitute anyway and that's like really uncomfortable because they would never ask a guy about that no but and i mean that's interesting because that's in norway where you've got much more equality in terms of of uh, let's call it paternity yeah but at, at the time paternity. it was like Both. that it was very normal that the the woman would be maybe out for 12 months with on maternity and, leave. and this is what's really different here so i mean it's it's been i guess 10 years since I had paternity leave um, but basically and this was when I was with with Pfizer you know massive multinational so I can't remember I don't even know if there are any government provisions for it or if it was just their own provisions but I, I got a week yeah, and you, you just have to think about it and go well if it was me and someone in your position in the story you just relayed and we both got the same experience and the same age and the same relationship status and we both go into a company like that and they're like we've got to give him a week mm. she might take 12 months a year mm. so yeah that that it just feels really really hard in fact i remember when i got my week i i had to argue to get like three days in one week and then two days in a different week it's like Fuck, really that's mm. just that's just ridiculous so i think that the idea of what and it's not just Norway, it seems to be a lot of Scandinavia, right? Seems to be much more, let's try and and give the same provisions to each party so mm. that, well, I, I guess for multiple reasons. It's, it's not just the workforce stuff, but other than the biological imperatives, it's like fathers generally do like to spend time with their children. Absolutely. Well, you know? No, absolutely. And so, I, I think it's the right way to do it too. Like it is, it, it is important for, for even like women to not be out for a long time because it takes a long time to get in, into the groove again. Mm. No? Um, um, on that sort of topic with kids and things as well, mm. particularly seeing our kids here and the way their schooling and everything is, you've noticed some really big differences to yeah. Norway. Do you want to explain that? <coughs> Where do I start? You guys wear school uniforms? <laughs> but, uh, which I am blame, actually... Blame the British. Well, yeah. I actually uh, think uh, school uniforms is a great idea because especially in Norway where we have all those different seasons, um, you know, you need summer clothes, winter clothes, autumn clothes, uh, and uh, it creates a lot of pressure uh, on mm. families, especially in certain areas, for instance, in, in Oslo, where, I, uh, where I'm from, where it's about having the right brand in jeans, the right brand in um, jackets, or um, even like your school bag, you know, some some kids even have like a Louis Vuitton handbag uh, as a school bag, which is crazy. Right. <laughs> who are these parents? Is, who is Parents is feeling guilty, uh, like probably work too much and just trying to make up for it. Uh, um, anyways, um, I think that's a, a good thing to have school uniforms because it just cuts out that pressure um what i think is a bit sad is that you, I, it is obviously a, a, a british system here where um it's very normal to have private schools as well as public schools in norway it's just like most people go to public schools unless your parents is like a diplomat and you just live in norway for two years you will go to like an ib school yeah. where you will be um, speaking English, um, so I, I do find that it creates a bit of division in society. Like in terms of, some people go to private and some people go to public, and then 
for instance, like for RNL, like there's a lot of kids in in the entire neighborhood that we live in that they don't know because they go to other schools. Yeah, and it sort of raises two issues there. I mean, one is the this sort of nasty cycle of, of class division where it's like um, low battery mode. Oh, that's fine. One is uh, this sort of class division thing where it's it's like. And, and, and just to put it in perspective, if you go to a public school here in Australia, it's, it's basically free. I think you have to buy school uniforms or, or something like that. Mm. Uh, and, and Ari did go to a public school in Sydney before we moved up to the Gold Coast when he was very, very young. I think it was free. I don't remember paying anything. If you go to a private school, even from the earliest years, and, and, and it really differs, it differs by school and it differs by city as well. But... I would say you're starting at probably 12,000-ish Australian dollars a year, all the way through to, I don't know if you've seen this, but some of the most expensive ones in Sydney, like $40,000 a year. I thought it was more than that. Is it? Jeez, I don't know. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But, like, just ridiculous amounts of money. So imagine you've got two kids. It's $80,000 a year. And you've got to pay that out of post-tax income too. Mm. And in Australia, it's tell you what if you're spending 80 grand a year on your kids you are definitely earning above the maximum taxable limit in australia which means you've really got to earn 160,000 dollars just to send your kids to school yeah before you see even when we get the school bills it's like would you like to contribute to the building funds no give you enough money already jeez. and then there's they, like, they build in the discretionary bonuses what do they call it um, i've got my school fees here i could probably check i just yeah i, I just feel like seeing um the education that rnl gets like i didn't have any lesser of an education in norway and that was free it's like even the the crown uh uh you do pay some taxes though don't you oh we pay lots of taxes <laughs> but i'll happily pay my taxes for that oh, here you go the, the voluntary foundation fund donation 200 dollars. now it's, it's volunt. i've always wondered like it's voluntary but they build it into the price can you just take that off? It's like, no, nah, you got enough buildings. <laughs> no more buildings. Jeez. Okay, that's uh, it's quite the bill. But anyway, that's that. That is the. It it, it kind of makes it part of the problem. But of course, every parent wants to give their child the best Absol- possible education. Like, yeah, they absolutely, I get that. And you've seen a little bit of some of the public. I mean, we went past the public schools that I went to as a kid just the other day, and. They're very, very simple by comparison. No, but when you have like all like the good teachers kind of being recruited to the private schools, like it's just, you know, if everyone was just doing public, then it would have been, everybody would have wanted to go to the public schools, wouldn't it? So there's two other things I can think of that you keep raising in schools. It's weird. So one of them is, is that RNL go to a, a boys' school and a girls' school. Oh, yeah, respectively. I find that weird. And that's not necessarily... I, I don't and think there's not, any... Not like in a weird, like, you know, that is like a wrong thing, but I, I just do feel like they're missing out on being in a co-ed school. I just... And I'm, it's a bit like I'm trying to have it a bit both ways, but I am just not convinced one way or the other because there are lots of private schools that are co-ed. Uh, in fact, to your point, some of our, our neighbours, their, their kids go to co-ed schools. Mm. And it does seem like it would make things easier. But then Ari and I will go to a boys' school and a girls' school they're both very close to us, but you're still going between different schools. And I remember when, when Ari 
was enrolled for this school and we had a, had a meeting with the headmaster and the headmaster was explaining that, look, there's, you know, boys and girls, um, you know, they learn different ways, the different things that drive them and prioritise them, even things like at what time of the day they should eat for optimal performance, etc., is different. I don't know enough about it to either agree or disagree with him and I, 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 I just... I feel like I haven't seen enough one way or the other to go, yeah, it's a good idea or yeah, it's a bad idea, you know? Yeah. I, <clears throat> I don't know. I just think that the, the, it's probably a bit different for RNL because they, they, are, they get the interaction with each other. But if let's say if you come from a family where you only have boys or only yep. have girls, I think it would be um, good to have that interaction because it's not natural. Like even in, if you enter work workforce, it's not going to be like, well... We're only going to allow men to work here. We're only yep. going to allow women. Like it's yep. just making it natural from day one for girls and boys to work together. Like, and then then the other weird one is religion in school. Yeah, because all private schools are religious, pretty much. Yeah, in some way or another. Which, jeez, yeah. <sighs> oh, we put this without getting in more trouble. Um, it just feels strange. Uh, mm. It it feels strange in the same way as when you see religion in politics, you know, when, and this happens a lot in, in the US obviously, but our, our previous prime minister was obviously very Christian orientated as well and it would seep in there and you sort of go, mate, there's a, there's a whole bunch of people that have very, very different views to you. Mm. Are you sure you should be like, you know, backing this horse entirely and there's all these other people backing their own horses. I just feel that that's, um, that's something that should be very personal and up to people to make their own choice on. I, I don't like what, what feels like indoctrination in terms of and, and like let's put it in context it's, it's religion school it's every week they have to go to like one or more chapel sessions isn't yeah it? chapel sessions and there's like weird stuff like everybody needs to have their hair cut a certain way because if you oh, have hair yeah, over your ears let's come back to that because that's not a religion thing but um <laughs> Are you sure yeah well <laughs> i've seen photos of jesus he had long hair <laughs> okay rip, not photo you know what i mean anyway uh <laughs> Um, I, it, it just feels odd when you look at it and you go not only should that be something which is the parents responsibility but imagine if they spent every time they're in chapel like learning JavaScript mm. <laughs> you know, something like that yeah. like if, if you could take all of the time they spent praying to learn JavaScript instead I would argue that the world would be a better place uh, that the hair thing so there's private schools tend to have uh, I was, I was going to say a higher bar, but it almost feels a little bit snobbish to say that. I guess different expectations with haircuts. So, you know, Ari's been told before, your hair's getting a little bit long, starting to go over the years a bit. Mm. And then this is the difference too, because obviously that's a different set of rules for boys and girls. Because, Al, she can have hair all over her ears. She's got to no, tie it back. She needs to tie it back. back. Yeah. But it, 